Who knows what a rhetorical question is? Yeah, Bob, what do you got? Right. I, I don't ask rhetorical questions. So if I ask a question, I want an answer. I have brought prizes, which I will settle up with you at the end. If you just keep track of the number of questions you answer, I'll, uh, I'll pay you in chocolate and we'll go from there. Um, okay. So, so it'll be interactive. Um, there, as you see by the bag, there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, there will be times in your walk where your faith, um, where you have doubts, where you have questions about what you're thinking, about what you really believe. And, and I want to encourage you that, one, that's, that's normal. Um, and two, that there are great answers to those questions. And so if you think through uh, all the people that have come before you, they have, have answered those questions. They've written them down. Um, if you can't find great answers to those questions, know that they're out there. Come grab me, grab any of the other leaders, and we'll help point you in the right direction. Um, but that said, I like to remember a couple of the key parts of my faith that, that really ground me. Um, one is just as I look into the world, I see just this ultimate design throughout creation. I see an order in the stars that are around. I see just the, the life on this planet and how it's ordered. I see um, even, you know, when I look at the complexities in my hand or of my eye and my body, if it, if it gets cut, it heals itself. There's just a, a design which testifies to a designer. And so all of those things come together and, and give me confidence in God. Um, the other thing I look at are just the prophecies of Jesus. And I see the prophecies about Jesus' birth. I see the prophecies about Jesus' death, how he's going to die, what that's going to accomplish, all the things that come true. And that there's, you know, many, many prophecies about Jesus. And I thought about talking to you guys about those things that I find in faith. But I'm going to go a little bit, bit off the, that path and, and give you a third one, which is where I see God's fingerprints on different things. And so some people will look at those things and say, ah, those are just coincidences. But what I think about is when coincidences happen a lot, we're not really coincidences anymore. They start to become patterns, right? And so we start to see these different things. And what I'm going to try to do is pull a thread from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament and show you kind of how God laid things out in the beginning and then how that thread continues on throughout history. Um, and God arranges those things in, in such a precise way. So I don't think you'll see the coincidences. What I think you're going to see are patterns. But let me go here. If, if I lose you, because I'm going to go fast, and I'm going to touch on some places that you might not have seen before, um, this is the one thing I want you to walk away from. We worship a big God. And, and what, what you'll get out of that as we start to lay this together is you'll start to see God's plan in history. Um, this is the verse we're going to kind of focus on. I'll, I'll bring us here at the end. But Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And so what I want you to remember is that God has a definite plan. And as I draw that, that thread through history, what you're going to see is that God orchestrates history to his will in, in what I believe is an undeniable way. Um, he's been working out this plan over centuries. And so remember, as we think about God and the creation, the God that we worship uttered the universe into existence in a sentence, right? He's created more stars in the heaven than we have grains of sand on the beaches. Um, just how incredibly complex that is. And so this verse from, from Acts really talks about what that plan looks like. And sometimes we talk about God's plan is on God's calendar or God's time. And when we say that, some people mean it'll all just kind of work out in the end. But that's not what I mean when I say it. Um, what I think about when I think about God's plan or his time is that he's orchestrated all those details into place. And those details really matter. It matters on different days that things happen. It matters 
how you see them coming through. And not only the details of, of the plan that you'll read in the Bible, but your details matter to God, the plans of your life, the things that are coming together for you. And so I'll show you these fingerprints, and I'll give you a little glimpse of how these things are coming together. I'm really excited that this is right before Easter, because this is one of the things I like to think about as I think about Easter. So it's going to be, we worship a big God with an amazing plan. Now, who can give me just kind of a quick rundown, and I mean quick, of some, some of the things that happened during Easter week? Yeah, Danny, go ahead. Yep, so if I, if I jump all the way to the, the Thursday before, so what's something? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so perfect. So if, if you didn't hear, um, <laughs> Lucy <laughs> is talking about uh, there's on this, this evening here, there's the Passover, eats the meal, they go into the garden, right? And what happens to the disciples when they're in the garden? They fall asleep, right? So we, we know that, that part of the story. Then the next morning, there's betrayals, um, trials, the crucifixion, darkness falls over the land, Christ is on the cross, he's crucified, he dies, he comes off the cross and he's in the tomb. You with me? It, it, this, you know the story. Now, when we think about this day, when did the Jews, when did their day start? Yeah. yeah so it's sun, sunset, right? So you, you have the day that starts in the evening and it ends the following evening. So if you think about this day that happens, the Jews were really interested in getting Jesus off the cross before sunset because that was going to be the start of the new day. So they wanted him off the cross and buried or in a tomb before that. And so this day, that whole red circle, that's, that's one day, that's Passover, from the night before to the, to the morning after. You with me on that? What's the next day? Sabbath, right. So the next day is Sabbath. What does Jesus do on the Sabbath? What's that? He's in the tomb. He rests, right? On the Sabbath is the day of rest. Jesus rests. Great. So the next day, it's, it's not rocket science. So, um, the stone rolls away. Jesus comes out of the He's risen, right? And so that's, that's Sunday. And what do we call that? Easter. Easter, right. Okay, so what happens seven weeks, what happens seven weeks later? No. It happens before that. Seven weeks later, anybody? Pentecost. And so seven weeks later, we have Pentecost. Why do we call it Pentecost? That says Pentecost. <laughs> Just trust me. Um, Try it again. There we go. That's how it says. Why do we call it Pentecost? Yeah. Not five. It's actually 50. 50. And so uh, some of you take Greek, I think. 50 Pentecost. So 50th Pentecost day is, is Greek for 50th. So anyway. Okay. You with me on this? Okay. We're going to jump back and look at um, Leviticus 23. I know Leviticus is your favorite book of the Bible. You guys are all about Leviticus. Let me, um, let me jump into here. So if you hang with me, I'm going to lay this out. So this is Leviticus 23. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord of the Holy Convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them in the first month on the 14th day, the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. So what do we say? It's the 14th day. Passover, they're going to celebrate it at what time? At sunset, at twilight, right? So that's, that's what's been proclaimed. Then on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. So on the 15th day, we have unleavened bread. Osman, help me. <laughs> Try it again. Okay, unleavened bread. 
And then if a feast lasts seven days, for sure I'm going to have at least how many Sabbaths? At least one, right? So at least one of the next seven days is going to be a Sabbath. Make sense? Okay. So the next day is going to be the Sabbath, or one of those days, I should say, is going to be a Sabbath. And, it, and it, it might fluctuate. So if the 15th is on a Thursday, it'll be a few days later. If it's on a Friday, it'll be the next day. Then the next day, so this is uh, when you come into the land that I give you, reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will wave it. You with me? So the next day is always going to be a Sunday, yes, thank you. And it's the Feast of First Fruits. So this is set up around the harvest. And so what you have with the Feast of First Fruits is these things are just starting to come out of the ground. You just have them. Um, it's just, it's not a harvest, right? It's just, just the starting to break through the ground. And they take these, um, these plants and they, they wrap them up and they give God thanks for the harvest that is going to come. Make sense? Then, 49 days later, we have... Um, you shall count 50 days, the day after the seventh Sabbath, and you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord, and you shall uh, bring your dwelling places of two loaves of bread to be waved. So here on this day, we've got the Feast of Weeks. And so this Feast of Weeks, it's called the Feast of Weeks because it's how many weeks? Seven weeks. Seven is the number of completion typically in the Bible. And so you have seven weeks. Here's that, that Feast of Weeks. And what do they come out and wave? Bread. How many loaves of bread? No, two loaves. Two loaves of bread. Picture is two, right? Okay, they come out and they wave two loaves of bread. Now, in this, you with me with this? The harvest begins in earnest here because you, you, it's two months later from when it's just started and they start to harvest wheat, barley, whatever. Okay, so we've got Passover, unleavened bread, there's a Sabbath, first fruits, and weeks. You got it? So that's the, we're going to go back and look at Exodus on this. So here's Exodus. And if I jump back to Exodus 12, um, what I want you to pay attention to as I read this is the timing that happens here. You're going to see details of timing. You're going to see, think about how many years or days or whatever. And how does this pass down from one person to the next, from one generation to the next? So he's talking about Passover. He says, in, the manner, in this manner you shall eat it, your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. The day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. What's he talking about? What, what festival? Passover. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say to them, it's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt. Now, he's going to go back and talk about what happened in the first Passover. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn who was captive in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And a great cry went out in Egypt. Not a house, there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses, Pharaoh, summoned Moses and Aaron, and he said, Go and serve the Lord as you have said, and be gone. So Pharaoh sends them out. What time did that happen? Midnight. It was just after midnight, right? So at midnight, the angel of the Lord comes through. If you don't have the blood of the lamb on, on the doorpost, 
there's the death of the firstborn. And shortly after that, cry goes out in Egypt, and then Pharaoh wants them gone. Right? You with me? Now, that happens at midnight. If I look at, um, and this is another interesting thing. So he says, at the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. So what's it supposed to be? A night of watching. When they're watching, what are they doing? Are they awake or are they asleep? They're awake. So when you think about in the garden, Christ gets upset with the disciples who are going to sleep. Why is he upset with them? Because they're not watching. They're supposed to be doing this every year. They're supposed to be celebrating. We have a holiday where we stay up every year, or stay up late once a year. What's the holiday called? New Year's, right? And so here's New Year's. It's a holiday like that for them. And they're supposed to be staying up, and the disciples are falling asleep. That's why Jesus is upset with them. So let me keep going. Um, On that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. And then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall tell your son on that day, it's because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of the land of Egypt. You shall therefore keep the statutes at its appointed time from year to year. So what does Moses tell them? To remember, not the Sabbath, remember the day that they left Egypt, right? So he says, remember this day and then celebrate it every year. Are you with me or are you not with me? With me, okay. So Moses said to the people, remember this day, the day you came out of Egypt. Okay, here we go. So um, what happens after, so they, this is the first one. So they sacrifice the lamb, and Israel leaves. Where do they go to? The Red Sea, right? So they walk to the Red Sea. By coincidence, what happens on this day? They come out of the Red Sea. So God's, God, God miraculously parts the Red Sea. The Israelites walk through. It crashes back on uh, the Egyptians, and they emerge from the Red Sea here. Where do they go after this? To what mountain? They go to Mount Sinai. How long is Moses on Mount Sinai? 40 days. So let me jump over to that. Um, is he, when he comes down from Mount Sinai, is he happy or not happy? He's not happy. Why is he not happy? Okay, wait, wait. Go, go ahead. <laughs> because they were not doing the right thing. They were worshiping the golden calf. Now, here's, that's where we're going to pick it up. Moses turned and he went down from the mountain with two tablets of testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, the front and on the back they were written, the tablets were the work of God. As soon as he came near the camp and he saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot and he threw the tablets out of his hand and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. Is he happy? He is not happy. As a side note, what comes next is what I believe is the second best excuse in the Bible. The first best excuse is when He blames it on what? Well, hang on. So we'll get there. Uh, so here we go. So he says, Aaron is talking to Moses. He said, for, they, for the people, of it, they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. And this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. It's been 40 days. He, they don't, he doesn't say 40 days. but And so I said to them, this is Aaron saying, let anyone who has gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw the gold in the fire, and out came this calf. 
I don't know what happened. I just threw the gold in the fire, and out came the calf, and the people started dancing. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty good excuse. Okay, so you can use that on your parents later. Okay, so let's keep going. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and that day about 3,000 people fell. So God tells Moses how to judge the people. They judge the people, and 3,000 people are killed. The next day, Moses said to the people, you've sinned a great sin. Now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. So how many people die? 3,000. What is Moses coming down with? The law. So here we have, on this day here, which is seven weeks later, Moses is giving the law. He come, God judges the people, and 3,000 people die. You with me so far? We talked about in the very beginning what happens at the time of Christ. So we're going to jump back there. So here's the time of Christ. On that Passover day, we saw that everything happens on that Passover day. They ate the, uh, the Passover meal. There were the trials. There was a crucifixion. Jesus is in the tomb. The next day is the Sabbath, and Jesus rests. Exactly. So Jesus goes into the tomb, and he rests. Then on Easter, what happens? He rises, right. So he's in the tomb, and then he's raised. Now, what happens 49 days later? Yes, and what do we call it? Pentecost. Okay, let me jump to that. Oh, that's no good. Okay, so this is Acts 2. Um, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Then Peter says to them, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That's the verse we were talking about. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing, which is the Holy Spirit coming. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens? They're forgiven. And so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So here, when the Holy Spirit comes, 3,000 are saved. You with me? You see how this comes across. Now, what I want you to see in this is this parallel between, call it these feasts, well, the first time in Exodus that happens, then how the Israelites celebrated this for 1,500 years, and then how it comes to fruition in Christ. You with me? That's, that's, the, that's the conversation. And so here we have in Exodus the Passover lamb, and here we have Christ. Whose, whose blood is spilled to cover sins of the world. Here, we're going through the Red Sea, and he's in the tomb. Here, they emerge from the Red Sea. They're crossing from the death of slavery in Egypt into the life that is freedom, right? And here, 
as Christ comes out of the ground, we are crossing from death into life because through Christ we have eternal life. Here is the giving of the law. 3,000 people are judged and die. Here is the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people are saved. You with me on this? Does it make sense and kind of hang together? Okay. So what did Moses say? What did I tell you he said? He said, remember this day, right? And he talks about it, that the day that he's talking about, Passover, is this day where Christ dies, and, he's, and, and later in first fruits that he's raised. It's not only a day like that that it happens that Christ is raised. It happens on that day. And so what you'll start to see are these things are not happening on a day that's kind of like that. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a day that's kind of similar. But it's, it's on the day, right? How big does God have to be to orchestrate things to happen where he sets out a feast and says, watch this feast, remember this day, and then 1,500 years later, on that day, this is what happens, right? Passover. So God uses the... Um, the sacrifice to allow the Israelites to leave bondage of slavery and move from death into freedom. In the church, we have Christ who covers the sins of the world, and it happens on that day. When we look at first fruits, they come out of the Red Sea, they cross from death into life. Israelites celebrates that by waving the first fruits for 1,500 years. They wave the first fruits and they come out. First Corinthians calls Jesus the first fruits because he comes out of the ground on that day. And so in the church, Christ conquers death. He becomes the first fruits. It's no longer a symbol. It's the thing that happens. And it doesn't happen on a day like this. It happens on that day. In the Feast of Weeks, God gives um, Moses the law on two stone tablets. You come down the mountain, 3,000 people die. God judges them. Israelite, for 1,500 years, celebrate the harvest of the Feast of Weeks. They wave the two loaves like Moses had the two tablets. You see how those things are tied? And then with the church, the Holy Spirit comes in to indwell the church, and 3,000 people are saved. It's not a day that's kind of similar. It happens on the same day, right? There you see it; these things happen. And so Moses is saying, remember that day. And so this is a new, Osmond got a new TV for me. And there we go. We worship a big God. So that's, that's the, the theme that we're looking at. And when we think about Easter, when we think about Passover, it's not kind of like they're the same, that they happen as God has ordered it thousands of years ahead of time, right? You start to see these things come through. You start to see the patterns and the types. And, and God has this amazing plan. And so the question that, that you get asked, and then is this a coincidence? Do these things just kind of work out like that? Or is this a time where these things are happening and God has ordered that, that way for a reason? What's the likelihood that all of those things lined up exactly like that? I, I think it's, it's pretty low. And so what I would say to you is everyone has doubts in their faith at times. Um, for me, I like to remember those reasons, the, the order of design, the prophecies of Jesus that I see. And lastly, the places where I see God's fingerprints like this, just working, their, working itself out in scripture, working itself out in my life. Um, and what I would say is I implore you to be people of the book, uh, to have it run through you so that in knowing the Bible, you might know Christ. Um, if you're here and you know about God, that's, that's good. But it's enough to start with, but continue to learn. If you know about the Bible a little, but it hasn't grabbed your life, 
you know, ask the Lord for conviction to show you things in it, to help you to learn through it. Um, and then commit yourself to learning that, uh, that, you know, with that you become, that there's a light that's in you and that light is contagious. So that's all I've got for you tonight. Um, if you have any questions on this, oh, I, I did bring it back to this, sorry. Maybe not. There's no coincidences is the end. But um, yeah, well, I'll stop there. Um, and, and we do see that in that passage in Acts that God is working out his definite plan. So let me pray for you guys and I'll get you out of here. Yeah, we're just grateful that you have um, continued to, to show us your plan as you teach us more and more of your word. We pray that you would um, use the word to speak to our lives, that you would help us to see Christ in it and see all of the amazing things that you've delivered. God, we pray that you would uh, bless the time as the kids, the students go into small groups and just discuss about their weeks and about uh, what we've talked about tonight. All this in Christ's name. Amen.